What is going on, everybody, and welcome to episode three of The Review Show. My name is Kyle Springer, and if you've already listened to the first two episodes of this podcast, then number one, you're pretty cool. I like you. You're good peoples. Number two, you'll remember that I am doing this by myself at the moment, but I am working on getting a new co-host, and I will tell you a little bit more about that later on. Each week on the Whatnots Review Show here, we pick a new topic to discuss, whether it be a comic book, movie, TV show, or anime, manga, something else. We read it, we watch it, we do what we gotta do, we come back here and we talk about it. But, if you want to be super cool, go follow us on twitch.tv slash the whatnots. We normally do this show live, but I'm lone wolfing it right now. And the process of me doing it by myself does not translate into a good live show. However, we will be back next week to being a live show. So go follow us on twitch.tv slash the whatnots, and we will have a little bit more info on that later on. For now, though, you can listen to this show on YouTube or as a podcast, no matter what universe you are listening in. Uh, but go subscribe on all the places, uh, no matter how you usually listen to this show. If you're a podcast listener, go subscribe on YouTube. If you're a YouTube listener, please go subscribe on like Apple Podcasts or something like that. Um, but anyways, enough housekeeping for right now. This week, we are here to talk about Lupin the Third. Uh, Lupin the Third, the castle of Cagliostro to be exact. It is an anime film directed and partially written by Miyazaki. So yes, it is a Miyazaki film. In fact, it's his very first one. It's his debut on a feature film. Uh, I'm pretty sure he had been working on animation, stuff like that before, but this is his debut as a director on a feature-length film. Uh, and side note, just in my mind, I often liken his films, or I guess more specifically the Studio Ghibli films, um, to the ones that Disney makes. They're kind of one and the same in my mind in terms of quality. Uh, for Lupin the Third, Lupin is also a very big and well-received franchise. I've never seen anything Lupin the Third before this, so this is all brand new to me. It was a lot of fun. Um, however, this film was not without its problems. Ultimately, though, I feel like those problems never really detracted from the overall experience of watching this film, so that's a good thing. There's not really much you have to worry about uh, in terms of those problems. It's a lot of fun. But what is the Castle of Cagliostro about, you ask? This film follows Lupin III. He is a thief. He is a gentleman thief. Uh, he's very charming, and he's a bit of a ladies' man. And the movie opens up with him and a friend robbing a casino. Only to find out that the money that they just stole is all fake. It's all counterfeit. And Lupin ends up recognizing that, but he kind of recognizes where the counterfeit money is from. He has, he, has, he has an idea of where it came from. And so that's what he wants to do next. He wants to go investigate the source of this counterfeit money. And that leads them to the castle of Cagliostro. And that's kind of where the adventure begins. They get mixed up with a princess. There's hidden treasure. Interpol gets involved. There's a car chase scene that kind of uh, reminds me of old James Bond films. It's very reminiscent of that. It's a lot of fun. Uh, there's a lot of wacky adventure and hijinks. So if you're interested in learning more about Lupin, I think this is a good film to start off with. However, if I am being honest... 
I do not think this was the best introduction to the crazy cast of characters that are within the world of Lupin. You definitely do not need to know much about them to understand this film. Again, I've never seen anything Lupin before this, but I still felt perfectly comfortable. It all made sense. Um, a number of characters show up that I didn't really have any idea who they were or why they were there. Uh, a couple of them felt really unimportant to me. So in that regard, it was a little bit disappointing, but it at least got me interested. So I want to learn more about them down the road and their other crazy adventures. But despite not knowing about them, this was some good, clean family fun. Um, and this film was exactly that. It, it, it's a good, family-friendly film. There is a lot of violence. Um, that is kind of the only questionable thing uh, if you're wanting to watch this with younger kids. But the, the fact that this film is even family-friendly in the first place is interesting to note. From what I understand... Most of the Lupin the Third anime series or movies uh, are a little bit more risque. Like I said, Lupin is very charming. Uh, he's a ladies' man. He's a bit of a skirt chaser. And that's just kind of the character that he is. And there's one scene in this film that kind of references that, but that's about it. So I highly recommend it. Go check it out. I think it's a lot of fun. I'm about to get into some potential spoilery stuff right now, though, so if you haven't watched it, pause this, go do what you gotta do, and come back here. Right off the bat, though, there was something that I really noticed about this film that I thought was really, really cool, and that was its use of silence in the sound design, or at least the lack of dialogue at times. Once he recognizes that the money is counterfeit, uh, they're, they're, they're driving down this road, and it's in this really, really beautiful, grassy area. And unfortunately, they get a flat tire, so the friend pops out to fix it, and Lupin sits himself on top of the car, and he just starts looking out into space. He's relaxing, he's looking up at the sky, watching the clouds, and neither of them really say much. They don't really talk. You can kind of hear the wind going through the grass and stuff like that, but Lupin finally breaks the silence, and he says something along the lines of, Man, this is so peaceful. And it's shortly after he says that is where the car chase scene happens that I mentioned just a minute ago. That kind of reminds me of James Bond. But it's the juxtaposition of that really peaceful moment mixed with this kind of wacky 60s spy thriller car chase scene that was really used to great effect in this film. And I feel like that chaos, that trouble that seems to follow Lupin wherever he goes, would not be as effective without those moments of peace. Without those silent moments where you can only hear the wind, or no one's really saying much, or they just say one line and it just kind of punches through everything else. And when you put that right next to this big bombastic scene, that wouldn't be as funny if it was only these scenes, if it was only these nonstop crazy moments. And I think that one-two combo works really, really well. And it makes the film that much more funny and that much more fun. It's kind of like the mentality of you can't really appreciate happiness until you've experienced and understand sadness or some, some, something similar to that effect. 
the chaos that that happens to Lupin and the people surrounding him wouldn't be as powerful if it didn't have those smaller, serene moments. And it works really, really well. It was almost as if Lupin was searching for a moment of peace for himself, for that peace in his own life, right? Maybe he's only stealing things so he can take all that money, go live a peaceful life with a couple beautiful women by his side, and no one would really bother him. And he really seemed to value that peace. And it showed a lot at the end of the film. When he finally finds that secret treasure that turns out to be the sunken Roman city, instead of kind of keeping that knowledge and that experience to himself, he recognizes that this is not the peace that he wants. This is a place that's for everyone. It's for tourists, kind of. Everyone needs to experience this. It's not the peace that he's looking for. A whole bunch of people are going to be around. He's going to be bothered. It's not going to be what he wants. He just wants to escape. And I think that made me like Lupin a whole lot more. It was a really cool aspect of his character. But another character that I really liked was Fujiko. She was pretty badass. Uh, like Lupin, she is a professional thief. Uh, she's a con woman, uh, kind of mixed with the best aspects of a Bond woman. Um, sure, the, the, the girls from the Bond movies are basically just meant to be eye candy. Um, and Fujiko, though, despite her name being a play on how big her boobs are, she was not eye candy. Or at least not only eye candy. She was calm. She was confident. She knew what she wanted. And she knew how to get it. And she has Lupin figured out. She has she has him wrapped around her finger. And it was really fun to see her manipulate him into getting what she wants. And compared to the other side characters in this film, she was one of the most fleshed out characters. Unlike the samurai dude who was there for God knows what. They made it seem like he was going to be super important, but he didn't really do much in this film. Moving on, though, this film is also deceptively longer than it appears to be. The moments of silence seem to kind of take up more space than it really seems. I think this movie was only like an hour and 40-something minutes, but it felt, it felt like the ending dragged on a little bit. In fact, it it felt like what you thought was going to be the ending was not actually the ending. The old bait and switch, as the kids are calling it these days. And that annoyed me quite a bit. And unfortunately, that was because I think they failed to set the story up properly. Of course, there's the counterfeit money that they got after the casino and they decide to investigate and they, get, they find this princess and have to stop the marriage and that seems to be the main focus of the story so when that kind of wraps up you're kind of just left thinking oh well that's going to be the end of the film but no they're like lupin lupin is actually after a treasure that we haven't really talked about this entire film so we're going to go down that plot thread and actually end the movie once he gets the treasure and so that was a little bit annoying to me that they kind of glossed over this idea of what Lupin is actually after. They make it seem like he's only after the source of this counterfeit money and figuring it out where it came from and then potentially stopping this 
wedding, but it turns out he was after this treasure that the family supposedly has. Um, and as, as short as the film actually is, I feel like they could have taken an extra 10 minutes to pad out the first or second act to kind of make the treasure more of the end goal, or at least more of the focus. They do mention it at the start, but it's not mentioned enough to, to really make you realize that, hey, once we get to this treasure, that's kind of where the film will end. This is what it's actually about. That's what Lupin's end game is. And that's kind of my biggest complaint about the film. The story wasn't set up super well, and a lot of the side characters are just kind of there for no apparent reason. But that's not that big of a problem. Overall, this film is a lot of fun. Lupin is a really interesting character. I definitely want to learn more about him. I do want to know more about his gang, his friends. Um, they were there. Some of them were really cool, but it doesn't necessarily explain them. They didn't really have much agency in this film. I want to know more about Fujiko, who the samurai dude is, um, who Lupin's like gangster-looking friend is that he was robbing the casino with. Um, but... Despite not really telling me much about these characters, it at least got me interested in who they were, and it made me want to find out. I now want to go watch the anime series and the other films within the Lupin franchise. So the movie does a really great job at that, but the false ending was a little bit annoying. Made it seem like it was a little bit longer than it needed to be. Uh, however, I think it was the sound design of this film that really shined for me. It was the moments of silence uh, with little to no dialogue juxtaposed right next to scenes of chaos, of trouble, more bombastic action that really had a big impact and put a big smile on my face. So I definitely recommend this film. Again, I, I think it's a lot of fun. If you're a fan of Miyazaki films, this is definitely one you're going to want to watch. Uh, especially because this was his first feature film, so you get to see him at the start of his career. Uh, so let me know in the comments or on Twitter or wherever what you guys thought of this film. Uh, but that's kind of it for my thoughts on that film, The Castle of Cagliostro. But before we wrap up here, I have some exciting news to talk about. First and foremost... I am no longer going to be lonely on this show. That is right, party people. Next week, I'm going to have some more people joining me to discuss uh, what we're going to be talking about next week. Two lovely new challengers are going to be approaching the ring, uh, and we will get you all introduced to who they are next week. But I am pretty excited to have them on the podcast. And because we are going to have them on the show next week, next episode is going to be a lot longer than this episode or the previous two. Uh, these first three have been around 20 minutes-ish. Uh, however, if you've been listening to the previous incarnation of this podcast, if you're a longtime listener of The Whatnots, uh, you'll know that we usually ran for about an hour per episode, give or take. Uh, so that's what we're going to be aiming for next week. I just wanted to give you guys a heads up on that. And trust me, we will have a lot to talk about. So it'll be worth the hour. Because next week, Marvel is unleashing their brand new installment to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Avengers Infinity War is going to be out in theaters. I'm super excited. I've already bought my tickets. Uh, and we are going to be discussing the comics that Avengers Infinity War is loosely based off of. 
we're going to be discussing Infinity Gauntlet. It's only six issues, and I'm pretty sure that because this movie is coming out, the collected edition should be pretty easy to find. If you have a local comic book store, I'm sure they have it. Uh, Amazon, Comixology, Barnes & Noble, something like that. I'm sure you guys can find it. So go get it. Go check it out. Go read it. Come back here, and we will be discussing it next week. If you liked this show, please head on down to patreon.com slash the whatnots and give us a dollar. Um, you'll get episodes early. You'll get all, all sorts of cool stuff. But if you don't want to hand over your hard-earned money, that is a-okay. I totally understand, as long as you enjoy the show. Uh, so go like, go subscribe, go follow, go sell your soul. Uh, do whatever you got to do to help us out. Spread the word. At least tell a friend, because uh, we would like to have them come check us out. Um, if you want to get in touch with the show, we are at... The Whatnots on Twitter. If you want to get in touch with me personally, I am at Hush315. Join us next week as we discuss the Infinity Gauntlet. My name is Kyle Springer, and I will see you next week.